At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is our number two on the Greg Peterson Experience. And our number one, we wound up having some live action for a change as we wound up being able to see the final of that Lakers versus Kings game. You wound up seeing the final in a couple of games out here on the West Coast when it comes to college basketball as well. So now in our number two, going to be hitting a little bit of everything. Towards back after this hour, going to be taking a look at some NFL props for this upcoming Sunday. Going to be taking a look at the NFL slate or the NBA slate, I should say for the Saturday, but here in the first segment, we're going to take a look at just some trends in general that I've been noticing in college basketball because you always want to be taking note of some teams that wind up getting hot and cold. When you wind up having 358 D1 teams, you're going to be finding some teams that they are profitable for you and they are not profitable for you. If you wound up listening to the look at yesterday, I actually wound up giving you some teams that have been doing a very good slash bad job against the spread at one power conference, cough, cough, Pac-12, that has not been doing good against the spread as well. So, You've got that at your disposal, and tonight we're going to hit on more of the over and unders. We're going to be taking a look at teams that have been very hot slash cold with regards to be able to hit some totals for you, and what we've been noticing is that the WAC has played over 60% of their games to the over. You just take a look at this collection of teams, and it is now 13 teams that is out there in the WAC. Among the 13 teams in the WAC, you've got three teams that have been better to the under than the over. That would be Lamar, Dixie State, and Cal Baptist. You've got one team that has played two overs and two unders. That would be Steven F. Austin. Everyone else has hit at least 60% of their games to the over thus far. And it makes sense. You've got Chicago State, who, who traditionally always plays the Ole style of defense. Charleston State has had their total set just really, really low. UT Rio Grande Valley, they're a completely revamped bunch. A lot of people didn't know what to expect out of them. It turns out that they're going to be playing very, very fast this year. Abilene Christian. They play that amoeba-style defense, but they've got a new coaching change as well, so that has been something that has been working out for you. Up until Friday night, overs in Iowa games were very, very hot. I have no idea why so many of these totals in Iowa games up until what we wound up seeing against Portland State. It's not that the over didn't nip because Iowa didn't try. They scored over 80 points in their game on Friday against Portland State. It was just Portland State wanted to committing, I believe it was 16 first-half turnovers, and it just looked like well, not good, to say the least. I was going to say something worse, but we'll just call it not good with them. Uh, but other than that, Iowa has cashed all of their games to the over. They had played five straight overs before that one. And you take a look at the Big Ten. We've actually noticed quite a few teams out there in the Big Ten go- with a lot of overs because I do mention Iowa, but how about what we've seen out of Purdue? The Boilermakers are always famous for their defense, but you take a look at them on a neutral court in their last 37 games on a neutral court. 32 of them have went over and overall this year. Five out of six Purdue games have went over. They've scored at least 80 points in every one of them. They completely bludgeoned Nebraska Omaha. I believe that their lone under is because today in the Omaha game, Omaha couldn't get to 50 points. Meanwhile, Purdue, they were able to get to 97. So that's a big reason why with that. But even take a look at Wisconsin. Four and two to the over. So 
there are a bunch of which they're not necessarily going to be lighting up the scoreboard, but at the same time, they do a very solid job of being able to just hit their free throws in general. So you when you wind up seeing these games of like six, eight points with a minute left to go, that is a good spot to be able to have an over with Wisconsin because you know that they're going to be money. You know that they're going to be following it. You know that the total is going to be set relatively low because Wisconsin, with regards to possessions on a per-game basis, always one of the lesser teams out there in college basketball. So those are a couple teams that thus far have been very profitable to the over. If you're looking at your top under teams thus far in college basketball, you've got a couple that stand out. VCU has played a pair of overs, but I mean, if you've watched VCU games, you need a mouth guard to be able to watch them. The only reason why the game against UConn on Friday wound up going over is because that game wound up going to overtime. So that is something that you want to be taking note of. How about a team that I want to mention in the first hour, highlighting their game against Louisiana Tech, NC State. All five of their games have went under. It's a bunch of which are losing Manny Bates, but they're an NC State bunch in which they're not necessarily the world's most efficient on offense. They play a little bit more up-tempo, and you're going to find this with a lot of these teams. It's not that they're playing at like a snail's pace or anything like that. Typically, when you find a team that is very hot to the under, it's because either A, they wound up playing at warp speed last year, and they wound up seeing a little bit of a tempo change, or B, they're playing very fast right now, but they're just playing inefficiently. I think that that's the best way to be able to put it because you'll find it with so many teams that they're towards the top when it comes to possessions per game. They're not putting the ball in the basket. I'm looking at teams like a Coppin State, a Mississippi Valley State, these teams. You're actually going to find that there's going to be a little bit of an undertrend on them because typically you're thinking, oh, this team is finally going to put the ball in the basket. And then we realize, nope. They just stink. They're just playing really, really fast, and they can't put the ball in the basket, and that's why you're getting a whole bunch of unders. So that is something that I always find to be very entertaining. I mean, you take a look at a team like an Arizona State, for example. They played five out of their six games in the under. Arizona State is not a good offensive team. They are not a good defensive team, but the reason why their unders keep cashing is because Bobby Hurley, instead of coaching up his team, for one, he's instead yelling at the refs. So good work there, Bobby Hurley. Instead, you should probably be focusing on the fact that your team got completely pummeled by Loyola Chicago, but that's just my personal opinion. But you take a look at Arizona State. They have played seven games against D1 competition this year. Five unders, one under, one over, and one push. So got an Arizona State team that they've been very hot to the under despite the fact that they play at a little bit of pace. You just take a look at the Pac-12 in general, and you've been finding quite a few teams that have been very good to the under. Oregon, because they have absolutely no idea what they're doing on offense right now, and Let's call it what it is. The Maui Invitational was more like the Invitational of teams that like to play at a snail's pace. They have had five out of their six games wind up going under the total. Ditto for Stanford, and that is a case in which I do think that you're probably going to be seeing quite a few of those this season. With Oregon State, they finally wound up playing their first over tonight. That was a game that wound up going to overtime, and for those of you guys like me that wound up having Wake Forest, you should be raising mutiny over the fact that the NCAA did not allow that foul with one second left to go to be called because legitimately the game was in the balance. The ref wound up calling the foul. Foul did not wind up getting registered. That's not good to say the least. I don't know what necessarily happened there, but whatever the protocol is, it was not fouled. So that was not great. But you take a look at some of these other teams that have been doing a very solid job to the under for you. I mean, you've got some of your traditional teams like a TCU. TCU is a team that we all know. They're not necessarily going to be the world's greatest on offense. They're typically a team that they're going to dig in their heels on defense. They have right now played out of their first five games, four of them to the under. So there's really not too much of a surprise there. But you're also going to be finding a couple teams that they are 
bunches in which, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, they are teams that play relatively fast, like a San Francisco, for example. San Francisco, I call them a little bit of a chameleon. We saw it in their game against UAB, a UAB team that has been one of the most, one of the best teams over the last two years when it comes to points allowed on a per possession basis. They wound up slowing things down. As a result, San Francisco, out of their seven games, five of them have wound up going under. You also just have sad offensive teams like a Butler with Butler. Five out of their first seven games have wound up going under the total. But it's very intriguing because conference by conference, you are able to spot a couple conferences in which they are very much over conferences and they are very much under conferences. But when you wind up seeing one team winding up zigging, it does make for something very intriguing. I take a look at the Missouri Valley, for instance. This has always been an under conference. You don't necessarily have a lot of teams playing up tempo. You don't necessarily have a lot of just parity in general when it comes to this conference. You sort of know what you're going to expect. You've got two teams that have actually been profitable to the over this year when it comes to the Missouri Valley Conference. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. The two teams that have brand spanking new coaches. Indiana State, 3-2 and two to the over. Loyal Chicago, 4-3. and three. Everyone else, they are 500 or worse. And you take a look at the conference as a whole, right around 40% of their games are going over thus far. But you want to be taking note of these teams that they do have a lot of moving parts. These transfers are very big. But on top of that, the reason why I think that you're going to be able to cash a lot of overs with Indiana State this year is because the coach that they hired, his name is Josh Schertz. He winds up coming in from Lincoln Memorial. Lincoln Memorial is a D2 program that in five out of the last six years has averaged at least 85 points per game. This team stops for nobody. They play a style which it's as if they are double parked outside and the only way to be able to hold off police from giving them a ticket for being double parked is if they put the ball in the basket. I mean, that's just the style of play that Indiana State has. Meanwhile, you've got these other teams like Evansville, Drake, Bradley, your traditional under teams. And guess what? They're just playing a bunch of unders in general. So that is something that you do want to be taking a look at when it comes to like the Missouri Valley Conference. But when it comes to teams and what we've been able to see just from them against the spread, we have seen a couple teams that have a very good over and under trend to them as well. Because what I think is just so intriguing when it comes to some of these teams in general is that we have seen a few teams that they just have perennially become cover teams. And I take a look at ever since Drake wound up having Mr. DeVries take over the program. They're covering 63% of their games. They are 60, 35, and 2 against the spread. That is the best mark in all of college basketball. San St. Thomas. Now, give some credit to the Tommies. And we have seen this with teams that have come up from the D1, from the non-D1 level up to the D1 level. You've only had one wind up having a less than 50% against the spread record in their first year at the D1 level over the last five years in St. Thomas. They've covered each other the last five games, so give them some credit. But you're going to notice that some of these teams that you're going to be like, wow, they covered a lot of spreads for me two years ago. They're towards the top of this list. Baylor, ever since the beginning of the 2018-19 season, they are 60-38-3 against the spread. Georgia Tech is actually up here. They are the second-best cover team from a power conference, 56-38 and 38 against the spread. But you're also going to find some, shall we call them, hidden gems. Yale has always been a good cover team. They are 38-25 and 25 against the spread, obviously. You weren't able to make any money off of them last year, but take note of a team like Chattanooga. Chattanooga has been able to put it all together ever since the 2018-19 season. They are 50-33-4 against the spread. You've been noticing that 
the coaching regime that wanted taking over a few years ago. They are really starting to take hold. You're actually going to be fighting them as a 10-point favorite against a solid Charleston team. I wouldn't necessarily want to lay it there, but I think that they're going to be able to cash a lot of spreads for you. And we're going to look to cash a couple tickets for you in the NBA as well. You've got some good action for Saturday. So coming up next, we are going to be taking a look at what we're all going to be seeing on an NBA Saturday. And that's right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. With the college basketball season starting right about now, we are getting into the prime of it because we've got all these we've got all these non-conference tournaments that are going down in random places. Now is the time to get a copy of our annual betting guide for just ten dollars. This year's guide has everything that you need to bet on all the games all season long. You get odds, trends, power rankings, and analysis for every single team. I wound up doing a little bit of a preview on all 358 D1 teams. Matt Humans and Tim Murray, they provide their predictions for win totals, futures, conference championships. You've got tournament teams, player awards, and so much more. Sign up today and get your copy. For only $9.99, that is at BSIN.com. Slash subscribe as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience. And we've been talking a lot of college basketball here early on in this show. Also did wind up bidding on a little bit of NBA unintentionally. It's not often that on this show at this hour, we wind up getting live NBA, but we wound up having that crazy triple overtime game between the Lakers and the Sacramento Kings. If you wound up having the under, I'll say it once again. I feel really bad for you because you wound up surviving an overtime of an NBA game with the under. That just does not happen. And then you wind up having it go to mush in double overtime, and then it winds up being triple overtime. But all in all, still in the NBA, we have been seeing a massive under trend. And this is with overs in the last seven days hitting north of 55%. You're still seeing in the NBA 164 unders, 122 overs overall for the year, according to covers. That's 57.3% to the under. So we have seen a big trend there, but we've got to try to find you guys a little bit of money on this NBA card. For this Saturday, you've got a couple games that are currently off the board, like Washington versus the Dallas Mavericks, the Magic and the Cavaliers game. You're not finding that at too many places. And then also the Timberwolves and the Philadelphia 76ers game is one that has a little bit of question to it. But got to be taking a look at one of the hottest teams in the NBA. Not just one of the hottest teams, the hottest team. We're going to be hitting on this Suns versus Brooklyn Nets game with the Nets. You're finding them between a two and a half and a three point favorite in this spot. And I just don't think that you want to be fading the hot team at this point. When it comes to the Phoenix Suns, they wound up starting out the year one and two. And really, that's the only bad thing that you're able to say about them. This has been a bunch that has been firing all cylinders. They're out to prove that the run that they wound up having last season wasn't necessarily just a product of injuries. And I think that that is just something that it sort of rubs me the wrong way. When you wind up saying, oh, this team only got there because of scheduling, because player X wound up getting injured or anything like that. Guys still had to get out there and they had to get the win. It goes back to the whole bubble thing as well. I mean, so many people saying, oh, the championship that was won by 
the LA Lakers, if you're able to look at baseball, oh, it's a 60 game season. The LA Dodgers, they wound up winning some Mickey Mouse championship and everything like that. I mean, the guys still had to go out there. They still had to win those games. So I always believe in giving those teams their respect. I always take the Ric Flair mentality in order to beat the champ. In order to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And the Phoenix Suns, as of right now, they're the champs out there in their respective conference. So you got to give them a lot of respect. They're 8-1 on the road thus far this year. And Devin Booker has been absolutely tremendous for the team with 23 points per game. But the biggest shocker, right now the leader in rebounds for the Phoenix Suns, JaVale McGee of all guys. I mean, if you would have seen that coming into the year and the fact that the Suns are 16-3, and I mean, I would have just laughed at you in the face if you would have mentioned that. But JaVale McGee is doing a good job of being able to clean up the glass. He's had 10 plus points in four out of the team's last five games. So he's actually come to play for this team. I give them quite a bit of credit. It's something that I certainly didn't wind up seeing coming. And when it comes to Chris Paul-based teams, they always seem to have success when it comes to regular season and into partial part of the postseason. I obviously a guy that has yet to win a title, but he's done an absolutely terrific job out here with Phoenix. I mean, he is up there in years at 36, but he's still putting on just a great showing. We saw in the finals against the Bucks, he about it getting a little bit outside himself, did not wind up doing a good job of being able to take care of the ball, but you just notice that in this run that the Suns have had, he has been just precise with the ball. Really, his lone bad game, I would say, was that game against the Dallas Mavericks in which he wound up having five turnovers, but you take a look at him, he's just consistently on a night-in and night-out basis being able to find open guys, being able to get them out in space, and being able to shoot. And this is a Suns team that they just have more depth right now than the Brooklyn Nets because with the Nets, you got your two stars, Kevin Durant, James Harden. I will say, I do like what I've been seeing thus far this year out of out of LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, it's just good to see him back out there on the court in general. I mean, this is someone that has battled quite a bit just to be able to have his playing career resume. So seeing him being able to register right around 13 and a half points per game, that is absolutely terrific. Hasn't been quite as much of a, defend, or a defender slash rebounder as he was with the San Antonio Spurs, but certainly doing a nice job. But who else on the team is going to be able to step up? You've got a very good sharpshooter that year in and year out. Shoots 40-plus percent from three-point range of Joe Harris. He's been shooting, once again, right around 50% from three-point range. But you've got a bunch of guys that, I mean, the jury's out. Nick Claxton being out due to injury. That has certainly hurt this team a little bit. They've been looking to him. But when you're looking to Nick Claxton being able to give you quality minutes, it's not necessarily what you want to be seeing with the title team. Now, no question. If they do wind up at some point getting back Kyrie Irving, who in the heck knows what's going to be happening with that. But if they do wind up getting him back, I would be setting the nets once again as a title favorite. But I do think that with the Nets, there are just some deficiencies in general with this team. I mean, you've got your two stars, but you can never count on Kevin Durant necessarily being healthy as well. I mean, we've seen so many injuries from him as well. So I'd be very cautious if I'd be looking at some sort of a Nets title future. And I'd be cautious on them in this game as well. I mean, this is a Phoenix Sun team that there is just a lot of momentum with them in general. And it's a spot in which when it comes to the NBA, I do think that momentum winds up playing a little bit more of a role than in other sports. This is a team that they've certainly got it going on. You've got DeAndre Ayton doing an absolutely tremendous job with this bunch as well, whenever he's been out there, because he has wound up missing six games as well. Now he's back out there. He wound up having 14 and 13 in that game against the New York Knicks, which is why you've right now got JaVale McGee with more overall rebounds, but obviously Ayton is doing his thing, averaging a double-double. But what else has been big? Mikhail Bridges, I absolutely love the way that he's playing with 13 points per game. So I take a look at this spot, and I think that you're getting some good value here with the Suns' money line just because I think that there are so many people out there. They saw this perception that, oh, last year, what the Suns were able to do was a fluke. And 
I just have a little bit of pushback on that. I mean, the injuries in that Lakers series, they do wind up helping, but it's not like the Suns would have been dead in the water in that series if the injuries don't wind up happening. They were still playing some quality basketball, so I think that this is a Suns team that they've never really gotten the respect that they're due, and that's still being reflected in some of these betting market numbers. So I take a look at the Suns. I think that you're getting some relatively solid value there. Now, this is going to be a game that is going to be very intriguing for a pair of teams that are looking to rise in the East. You've got the Heat versus the Chicago Bulls. With the Bulls, you're finding them as a very slight home underdog between one and two points, depending on where you're looking, with the total between 212 and 213. And when it comes to the Bulls, they have faced a little bit more adversity recently as they wound up getting off to that just lightning hot start. Ever since then, it's been a little bit tougher for them, but DeMar DeRozan has been able to have himself a very tremendous year for this team. He's putting up darn near 26 points per game along with Zach Levine. Both of these guys have been terrific. And then you're able to pair in there Lonzo Ball, who we all wound up just pretty much giving this guy shade at the beginning of part of his career because as a rookie, wound up shooting right around 30% from three-point range, shooting 44% from distance this year. It has been amazing to see the coming of age of him. You can tell that when he's off, this team is off. I mean, we just take a look at that Pacers game that they wound up having where he wound up having the big giant goose egg. They wound up losing that game by darn near 30 points. But with the Heat, this is a little bit of a new look team as well. Jimmy Butler, long fam, and Abayo, they've done a good job of being able to welcome into town Kyle Lowry. Lowry has been putting up some great numbers, not necessarily doing a prolific job of being able to score, unlike what he wound up doing while he was with the Raptors, but I mean, his facilitation has been second to none for this team, right around seven and a half assists per game. Turnovers do sometimes get a little bit high with them, and I do notice that he has a little bit more struggle on the road than he does at home, so that is something that I keep in mind when it comes to some of these teams as well, and I always advise that whenever I wind up talking about the NBA, I always try to look to live bet more than I do pre-flop, just because when it comes to the NBA, you've just got so many different runs, you're going to find the team that you wind up betting on. At some point, they're probably going to be up by 15 points. At some point, they're going to be down by 15 points. Rather than taking something pre-flop where you're like laying a point, you're getting a point, you're taking a very small money line, instead of betting in-game, you're going to be able to get yourself a better number. I mean, unless if we wind up seeing just some sort of situation like we wind up seeing with the Mavericks versus the Lakers or the Clippers game last year where I think that the Mavericks were down 50 points at the half. That's just not happening very often, but... I do always advise for that, but I do think that there's a little bit of value here with the Chicago Bulls. They're actually ahead of the Milwaukee Bucks out there in the Central, so that shows you just what they've been able to do. And when it comes to the Bulls, I do feel like this is a team that they've been able to do a good job of being able to get by despite the fact that they've had a couple of injuries hit them. Nikolai Vucevic has already missed seven games this year, and Pat Williams has only played five, and this was really the guy that the Chicago Bulls were banking on to be the future. Now, they've taken a little bit of a fall off, but it cannot be understated. Just Alex Caruso being the energizer bunny, just doing everything. It's not a guy that when you when you read off the statue, he's necessarily going to be able to jump out at you, but he's been able to do a very nice job for the team. So I do think that the Bulls being able to be a home team in this spot and being able to have just that very, very small price on them as an underdog. It is worth taking. Obviously, I'd be trying to see if that gets a little bit better in game, but I do think that you're able to find a little bit of value with the Bulls. I do think that there's quite a bit of value with regards to these NFL games on Sunday. So coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at, a, at some props for NFL Sunday right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You're exposed.
dancing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Black Friday offer is here right now. When you sign up for our $99 midseason football special, you also receive a $20 credit to the VSIN store. Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season, plus $20 to be able to buy. VEASAN Sports Betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry up, it's a limited time offer, so sign up for the perfect sports betting holiday gift now at VEASAN.com. Slash subscribe as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience. It is myself, Greg Peterson, coming at you from lovely Circa, the wonderful resort and sportsbook out here in lovely Las Vegas. And hopefully you guys wound up having a great Black Friday. For many of you guys, it is now Saturday. For those of us out here in the Pacific time zone, it is still technically a Friday once we wind up having everyone on a Saturday. So 30 minutes from now, going to be going hard and heavy on the college football betting board, giving you guys previews, picks, analysis, all that good stuff. Also going to be hitting on a little bit more college basketball as well since now it is the time of the year that we have that back end. Going to be a little bit of a shorter slate on this college football Saturday just because you wind up seeing so many games on Friday, which I thought it was a relatively good slate personally, especially with the fact that that very, very stinky line of Nebraska versus Iowa wound up going the way of many people I wound up betting it. So always beneficial to be able to see that. But with that said, we got to take a look forward at what we're all going to be getting on an NFL Sunday on this show. Tomorrow I'm going to be giving us tons of picks and analysis for the NFL betting board, but Let's take a look at some props. I always think that it's intriguing when you wind up taking a look at totals, which game is going to be the highest scoring and the lowest scoring game. DraftKings does a great job putting out these props every single week. So we're going to start with the highest scoring games, and then we are going to go with odds to be the lowest scoring game. But according to DraftKings, the odds to be the highest scoring game in the NFL this week is Bucks versus Colts. You've got that at plus $3. And then from there, you wind up having a big fall. That's actually plus 360. And then you have Chargers versus Broncos at plus 650 at 9-1. to one. You've got yourself the Falcons and the Jaguars cleaning up. You've got Vikings versus 49ers at plus 650, plus 850. You've got Rams versus Packers. And then at 10-1, to one, you've got Giants and Eagles, Browns and Ravens. 11-1 to one is Steelers, Bengals. And then 12-1, to one, you've got Titans and Pats and Jets and Texans. And it's a spot in which I'm able to cross one out very, very quickly as I just do not think that this Rams versus Packers game is going to be very high scoring. You've got a Packers team that well, I'm not playing it over last week against the Vikings, but one of the hottest things to be able to bet in the NFL this year, an NFL that it feels like one week winds up going to the public, another week winds up going to the books, and then it's just been sort of teeter-tottering all season long, but one thing that has been profitable for you all season long, Sands last week has been Packers unders because you just take a look at this team. They are now a two-point underdog because we have been seeing a little bit more coming out about Aaron Rodgers. He's been showing his stinky foot to the world. So we got that going on. yip de doo So those of you guys that like feet, congratulations. It's your week for you. But I mean, man, it's just a case in which I think that both of these teams are going to be held down a little bit. I think that you could see a case in which the Rams wind up trying to force feed Odell Beckham Jr. a little bit too much as he's just picking up the offense. And Odell Beckham Jr., I do feel like might be just a little bit overrated in general. I mean, I recognize that Baker Mayfield did not utilize him to his fullest, but at the same time, he did wind up making that great catch. Looked very solid in his first couple of years. And then there was a little bit of fall off. There were some injuries. So I think that that might be a little bit of a part of it as well. When it comes to the Rams, they're absolutely nasty on defense. You just take a look at all these guys like Aaron Donald, Jer- Jalen Ramsey and company. And then with the Packers, it doesn't matter what's happened with them. Jair Alexander goes down. You know what? Next man up. 
They're going to do a great job in the secondary. So I take a look at that game, and it is very easy to cross that one off. And you're going to be getting a big-time number on that being the lowest-scoring game. And I do think that that might be worth a little bit of a nibble as well. I'll be touching upon that in the next segment when we wind up getting into these lowest-scoring games. But when it comes to Bucks versus Colts, I do think that it's a Colts team that is going to be able to rise up a little bit more. I think that 3-1 to one is not necessarily a number that I want to be taking. I do think that it should be the short shot on this board, but at plus 360, it's just something that I wouldn't want any part of because when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, they have been able to do a nice job all season long of being able to put some points up on the board, but with the Buccaneers, I do feel like their defense is starting to rise up a little bit more. And then you've got a Colts team in which they've been a little bit banged up with regards to their defense as well, but it feels like the hurt and soul pieces on the defensive side of the ball are going to be able to play in this game as well. And I think that that is very critical because you've had a Colts offense that it has been there all season long. With Colts defense, it has been a little bit hit or miss, but Darius Leonard being healthy and it sounds like being able to play in this game, I think is massive. I don't think that he's the best linebacker in the NFL, but he's certainly in my top three. So he's, I think, going to be able to make a big difference for a team that has been a little bit banged up in the secondary with guys like Nick Nelson, Willis and company out there on injured reserve. But you do take a look at this Buccaneers team. They've been relatively 50-50 to the over. Meanwhile, the Colts, they played seven out of their 11 games to the over. But I do take a look at this Colts team, and I do think that they might be a little bit bottled up on the ground. I think that the Buccaneers are going to make a concerted effort to try to take away Jonathan Taylor, guy that's averaging darn near six yards per carry. He's already racked up 13 touchdowns, wound up having five of them last week against the Buffalo Bills. I think that the Buccaneers are just here like, all right, I think that we should take note of this and not let this guy beat us because you still do have your question marks when it comes to Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz looked like he was going to ascend and become a future MVP, and then he winds up having that injury in L.A. while he's with the Philadelphia Eagles. From there, Nick Foles winds up winning the Super Bowl, and, well, you wind up having the tale of Carson Wentz from there. But when you do take a look at the Buccaneers as well, this has been a team that has been pretty darn efficient through the air, and what I think is going to be intriguing for the Buccaneers is just trying to find a little bit more of a ground game with them as well, because Leonard Fournette has been getting utilized a little bit more in recent weeks, but it certainly is a case in which Leonard Fournette wound up having really his peak against, let's call it what it is, bad rush defenses. He wound up having those two touchdowns against the Philadelphia Eagles, and then he winds up just not being utilized whatsoever in that game against the Saints. Whenever they do wind up giving him touches, it does feel like okay things wind up happening. It's not like He's necessarily the world's greatest running back or anything like that, but he's able to give you a serviceable effort. Sounds like Antonio Brown is going to be out once again in this game, and you've seen a couple of injuries when it comes to this offensive line of the Buccaneers as well. So it looks like Ellie Marpet is probably not going to be going in this game. I think that that could have a little bit of an effect, and when it comes to the defense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's starting near full staff. You've been dealing with a couple of injuries with guys like Vita Vea. He's questionable. I have to think that he's probably going to go in this game, obviously. You want to be reading up on that as the week winds up going along, but I just think that plus 360, not necessarily enough value to be able to take here. I just can't give enough credence to the Patriots at this point to wind up taking a plus 650 on them as well, and with the Titans, it's a bunch of which they are having to readjust their offense a little bit with King Arnery out of the fold, and the Titans' defense has been able to step up in recent weeks as well. I feel like we poo-poo the Titans' defense a little bit too much. They certainly haven't necessarily had the world's greatest numbers, but I mean, this is one that at plus 650, there is just absolutely no value here whatsoever. I just do not think that this team, this game should be in even the top five when it comes to highest scoring games. The game that I think is going to be one that is very intriguing as well is this Vikings versus 49ers game. When it comes to the 49ers, 
it's a squad in which it's been just a little bit hit or miss for them all season long. I just can't trust in them necessarily being able to do a good job in this one as well. But one that really does catch my eye that is a little bit further down the bar. How about this Browns versus Ravens game? I do think that if you do wind up having Lamar Jackson out there on the field, because Lamar Jackson certainly has been dealing with quite a bit. I know that he wound up missing last week very unexpectedly, but as long as you wind up having all the pieces out there on the field, I do think that this is a game that you could wind up seeing just an explosion of offense because we've noticed that with the Cleveland Browns in recent weeks, there have been quite a few injuries with this team. Now, Kareem Hunt, he's now currently on injured reserve, so that makes this team a little bit more one-dimensional, but you've got to feel like there's going to be a little bit of human emotion that winds up taking over in this game. You've got yourself a guy in Baker Mayfield that's trying to prove that, yeah, Odell Beckham was the problem. I wasn't necessarily the problem. We're going to try to get the ball to some of these guys like my tight end and David Onjoku, try to get the ball to just all the guys on the outside in general. So I think that that's a little bit of a motivating factor. And you just notice it with this Cleveland Browns ground game as well. They just come and go as Nick Chubb does. Nick Chubb wound up missing a few games. He winds up coming back against the Detroit Lions and looked absolutely superb for this team. Missed much of October as well. And just when he's been able to be out there and healthy in general, it has been massive because in the last four games that he's played in, in three of them, he's had at least 130 yards on the ground. And I do think that this is a Ravens defense that can be had on the ground a little bit more than through the air. And when you wind up being able to set up that good ground game, guess what it sets up? The play action. And then you take a look at the Baltimore Ravens and we all take a look at that performance that they wound up having on Thursday night against the Miami Dolphins. And we think, oh boy, the world is coming apart. You wind up having Tyler Huntley wind up getting the start last week. It looks like it's going to be Lamar Jackson back out there, barring something that is just absolutely insane. So you're going to be able to have your normal pieces out there for the Baltimore Ravens. But when it comes to the guys on the outside, I know that Hollywood Marquise Brown has had his jobs issues, but those were really early on in the year. It seems like he's becoming a little bit more and more trustworthy for, let's call it what it is, a Ravens team that has been very, very banged up as well. Now, he is listed as questionable. I'm hearing good things with regards to his size. So him being out there, that'll be absolutely massive. You do want to be taking note of that as well because when it comes to the NFL, injury information is just so paramount. But I would think that Hollywood Brown is going to be out there along with so many of these other pieces that have helped make Lamar Jackson successful. And he's able to do a great job of scrambling out there as well. And when it comes to the NFL props, we got to take a look at some of these games that are going to be lower scoring for this NFL Sunday as well. And we will be doing that next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We have a new prop tracker available now at VSIN.com for you to be able to keep up with all the key NFL props. Head over now to VSIN.com to get current odds as well as the movement from each week to be able to follow the trends and find the best value when it comes to odds to be able to win MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year so much more as well. Check out Prop Tracker, betting splits, key trends, matchup data, and so much more for every single game now. That is all at bsin.com slash NFL. As it is a Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Peterson, and it would not be an experience without the guys that do a terrific job behind the scenes. Nick Wells doing a great job 
holding it down as the technical director, my wonderful producer, Wyatt, doing absolutely great work. Oliver just chips in wherever is needed. He does a great job. Brad on audio, wound up getting me all set up. These are the people that make it possible for you to hear my voice and see my face. I'm not going to call it pretty or anything like that, but you're able to see it. And it's all thanks to those guys. And if it weren't for them, I would be looking much worse. So we've got that going on and they do terrific work. Best in the business, in my opinion. And we're going to be hoping to be in the business of making you guys some money as well when it comes to everything that we're going to be seeing on an NFL Sunday. And just a reminder, in the next segment, once we wind up hitting midnight, that means that all the Continental 48 states are on a Saturday. Going to be going hard and heavy for the college football betting board for the Saturday. Give you guys some college basketball as well as the college football slate is a little bit more thin this week with just seeing everything go down on Friday with the college football games. You wind up having a couple more than normal, so we're going to be filling in accordingly there. But when it comes to the odds to have the lowest scoring game in the NFL this week, as we did the top scoring games in the previous segment, right now the short shot, it shouldn't come as too much of a surprise. You've got the Panthers versus Dolphins game. It is at plus 450, and then from there, shock, shock, surprise, surprise. Jets versus Texans is towards the top of the list. At plus 650, also at plus 650, you've got the Titans versus the Patriots game. From there, Steelers versus Bengals. You are finding that at 7-1. You've also got at 8-1 the Eagles and the Giants game. And then at plus 850, you've got the Browns versus the Ravens game. So you've got at 850, actually, Falcons versus Jaguars. And then at plus 850 as well, Browns versus Ravens, Packers and Rams at 10 to 1. And then at 12 to 1, Chargers, Broncos, 13 to 1, 49ers and Vikings. So those are the odds to be the lowest scoring game when it comes to this NFL Sunday. And I really do think that there's a shot that we wind up seeing a very low scoring game in this Packers versus Rams game. The totals in the in Packers games in general just have not shaded the way that you would expect a team that has been playing a whole bunch of unders. I think that it's just a lot of the reputation of Aaron Rodgers and the fact that the Packers really don't turn the ball over a lot. But what you notice with the Packers is that they oftentimes on defense wind up holding a lot of teams to three. They were doing a bad job towards the beginning of the year when it comes to their red zone, just efficiency in general, both on offense and on defense. They've been able to clean that up a little bit more, but I certainly do think that that is a big reason why we've been seeing a lot of Packers unders. And when it comes to the Rams, just what I mentioned a little bit earlier, Odell Beckham Jr. I think that they're going to try to force feed him the ball. I just don't know if Odell Beckham Jr. is necessarily the guy that we all hyped him up to be a few years ago. You wound up having some great catches. And in those first few years with the Giants, he certainly was special, but I feel like there's been a little bit of a fall off Maybe it was just a case of the system. Maybe it was a case of Eli Manning and he having a great rapport, but he certainly has been the same guy in recent years. So I do think that that is something that might be worth a little bit of value at 10 to 1. If there's one that I'd be taking for sure, because the Packers versus the Rams would be a little bit more of the flyer pick, but the one that I really love is the Texans versus Jets game, just because, I mean, yeah, take a look at both of these offenses and my gosh, it is not good. And it would be so fitting that a game being played between, I'm going to call it what it is. I apologize if you're a Texas fan. I apologize if you're a Jets fan. But if you wind up seeing this game between just two complete and utter dormant franchises right now, it would be very fitting for it to be sort of like what we wind up seeing in Bears versus Lions. And when it comes to these, it is only for Sunday. So that excludes the Monday Night Football game between Seahawks and the Washington football team and also anything that we wind up seeing on Thursday or else. Bears versus Lions with regards to the lowest scoring game. It probably wouldn't get there, but you know what? It wouldn't be too far from it. But to just take a look at the Texans in general, I mean, Davis Mills has been starting 
for much of the season. Now you wind up getting back out there. The guy that you thought you'd be having in Tyrod Taylor. Well, yeah, thought you would be having, you thought you would be having our good friend in Deshaun Watson, but obviously that's been a really bad situation to say the least. So we're going to see if he ever winds up getting back on the field at this point, but you just take a look at the Texans and when it comes to this bunch, they just haven't been able to get anything generated whatsoever. And even when Taylor has been out there, he hasn't necessarily been too great. Still been taking quite a few sacks and this team just, you can't have any faith in the ground game. David Johnson has been averaging three yards a carry and they want training away new Hopkins for him. Why? As Bill O'Brien, who had clearly no idea what he was doing as a general manager and has put this team just in a whole bunch of disarray in general. When it comes to the Texans, you've got a whole bunch of injuries. When it comes to this bunch as well, both on offense and on defense. And then with the Jets, what I will say for this team is that at the very least, they do have a little bit of pride going for them. Now, you still have to go up against a few guys in the secondary that aren't so bad. Someone like an Eric Murray, Justin Reed. We wound up seeing it on display last week when the Texans were able to get their W. And there are a bunch of which they're able to do a relatively solid job there. And you've got a Jets team that they've had, out of all the quarterback situations, a bottom five one this year. I don't know if I'll necessarily call it the worst, but certainly is in the bottom five. And you get a welcome back to Zach Wilson because Joe Flacco and Mike White are both out. So congratulations. You get Mr. Four touchdowns and nine interceptions who won a blast playing in October. And this should probably not go well as it's been all season long for the New York Jets. I mean, right now, your main running back and Michael Carter is going to be out for this game as well, which means that you're going to see Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson. I recognize that these aren't necessarily two world beater defenses, but you take a look at these offenses and where's the scoring going to come from? Because I'm right now trying to make a case for it and I'm finding nothing whatsoever. This total somehow some way is at 44 and a half. I tell you right now, when I wind up giving out my NFL picks on this very program tomorrow, I am not going to be taking the over. That is for sure, especially at this number. You're going to need to crash it by like 10 points for me to even start to consider it. And even if it crashes by 10 points, I probably wouldn't be able to take it either. You take a look at the secondary of the Jets, and it's not necessarily great, but once again, you're going up against Tyrod Taylor. You're going up against a guy, bunch of guys at wide receiver that, other than Brandon Cooks, I'll give Brandon Cooks some credit. He's relatively solid. It's not necessarily great. Now, with the Jets as well, CJ Mosley has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. Long Shaq Lawson, so that does hurt him a little bit on the defensive side of things, but I don't have any faith in the Texans being able to score some points. Beyond that, that Eagles versus Giants game, I think is intriguing because with the Eagles, I just feel like it's still a jury's out situation with this team as well because you've got Jalen Hurts who has been up and down this year. He has certainly has had some of his better moments, especially recently, but this is an Eagles team that they just haven't run the ball very much and when they actually have a little bit of balance with regards to their offense, they're able to do nice things. Now, Jordan Howard being out hurts them a little bit. I would argue that Boston Scott, who I recognize was out a little bit earlier this year, but he has been very under, underutilized. And whenever you get the ball in the hands of Boston Scott, good things seem to wind up happening. I mean, you take a look at that win that they wound up having against the Broncos. He got 11 touches. He was able to give the team 81 yards. Boston Scott is, I think, one of the most criminally underused players in all the NFL. I don't understand why they haven't implemented him more in this offense because you've got a solid offensive line. Obviously, you've been dealing with some injuries there as well, but they're able to do a good job. You've got guys on the outside. Why not give it to a guy in Boston Scott who can pop it every once in a while, give you guys one of those big gains, and then you take a look at the defense of the Eagles, and you saw Fletcher Cox, who 
turning out to be a little bit of a waste of money, but he's able to do a solid job out there in the front seven. The secondary has its deficiencies, but you still have a guy in Darius Slay that you wound up paying a lot of money to as well. And then you take a look at the Giants, and man, it has been a complete and utter disaster for this team this season once again. I mean, you're just seeing all these guys wind up getting fired. Jason Garrett is out, out of a job. How he wind up getting the job in the first place, I have absolutely no idea, but... You've got Sterling Shepard who's out of the fold. Saquon Barkley is still dealing with injury. You've got Kadarius Tony. It looks like he's probably not going to be playing in this game. Kyle Rudolph is out. The Towel Boy is currently dealing with a broken hand as well. So, I mean, it's just whatever can go wrong will go wrong for the Giants on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side, you've been dealing with injuries to guys like Jabril Peppers and company. And it looks like Logan Ryan, Logan Ryan is unlikely to play as well. But... The one thing that the Giants have going for them is a good front seven. And when you've got a guy like Jalen Hurts who likes to move around, he's been trying to find himself a little bit as a passer. And he's been able to do a better and better job as the season goes along. I do have to give him credit, but that is a good antidote to that. So I do think that you could find a little bit of value here when it comes to that Giants versus Eagles game with regards to the lowest scoring game as well. But I really do think that when it comes to this prop, you've got to be looking just all day at the Jets versus the Texans. It's just one of those spots in which I do feel like you just need a little bit of something out of both of these teams. Neither of these teams are giving you any faith whatsoever that they're going to be able to score points. Don't wind up taking a shot on the Chargers versus the Broncos game because I do think that the Chargers have proven that all by themselves, they're able to avoid just sort of that sort of a hole. And then when it comes to the Vikings versus the 49ers game, I just have no idea what to make out of the 49ers. Not necessarily the worst look, but at 13 to one, I'd be needing to get a little bit more of a look at that. And you're going to be getting a little bit more of a look at the college football Saturday board. That is going to be coming up next as I give you picks and analysis on a ton of them right here on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network.